and one day we'll be like, we know him. So it was all my fault. I was the one who left him on the counter. And, 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 and I should have known. I should have known better. Later, Madeline's like, why'd you leave him on the counter? I was like, I don't know, because that's where you put food. And um, I, I had been at Tom Thumb. Y'all like Tom Thumb. I'm cruising. And uh, I'm looking for cookies. Well, really, I was there for like lettuce or something. But I, I found myself by the cookies. And there was like these different packages of made cookies. And there was like the, you know, the little tiny chips, like, like little chocolate chip cookies. And, um, but then I saw them. <laughs> The super deluxe chocolate chunk cookies. You know what I'm talking about? Like those big oversized ones. And you don't read the calorie content. That doesn't matter. Because you're just looking. You're just looking at that cookie. And, and, I, and, I, and it was glowing. Uh, it was really crazy. So I grabbed this package. There were eight deluxe chocolate chunk cookies. right? And uh, I took them up to the register and I paid for them. And these were going to be my cookies. And I brought them home and I, I announced it. I said, everybody in the house. I just want to let you know, and by the way, I did pick up another package of the little cookies, and I was like, y'all can have these, <laughs> but these super deluxe chocolate chunk cookies, these are dad's, and I, I like made this proclamation, and I was like, these are my cookies, and, and I'm not going to eat them all at once, and I'm going to occasionally come and have one, but just, just want to let everybody know, and, uh, and so then I set them on the counter, and then I was upstairs, and I heard the package. That's odd. And I go downstairs, and there's one less cookie. There's seven. There were eight. There's seven. And, and nobody's making eye contact. <laughs> I didn't go around smell everybody's breath or nothing, but I was like, okay, let's just be clear. Dad's cookies. Well, as the days went on, they got thinner and thinner. And, and, and by the time I got to them, like really, like I was ready to just have one. And this is the thing that really is crazy. I can let dessert sit for days. And then I come back to it. But they, they were gone, and I only got one. Hey, what did I learn? Well, you hide your desserts from your children. <laughs> Parents, if you do not know that, just hide them. In fact, this, this past Friday, Madeline and I went out on a date, and it was wonderful, and we ate at a restaurant. We went to another restaurant for dessert, and we ate it in our car, like a, like a couple of pros, because there's no way we were bringing that delicious uh, dessert into our home. And we took a picture, and we showed it to the kids, because that's the kind of parents we are. Anyway. <laughs> so what's the second thing that I learned? Well, I learned that if you're going to put cookies on the counter— no matter what you say, those cookies are going to be eaten because that is a temptation that is almost impossible to not give in to, right? You put kale on the counter, sit there for weeks, not a problem. You put cookies on the counter, they're going to be eaten. And here's the deal. I don't know what your cookie is. I don't know what your chocolate deluxe chunk cookie is in this life, but I will tell you, you're going to face temptation in this life, and it's going to be set before you, and it's going to look delicious, and you're going to want to open that package, but just be careful because when you do, it might just be death. And so this morning we're talking about temptation and the things that we're tempted by, you know? And, and usually that's a negative connotation, right? Like I'm very rarely tempted, like with, again, example, kale. Like I'm never tempted by kale. I'm never tempted typically to share 
right? Like, I mean, I wasn't tempted at all to share my cookies. Those were mine. Uh, I'm not tempted to, like, let people in when I'm getting on the roadway and, like, someone's trying to merge. Like, my temptation is to block them. So temptation's typically a negative word, and, and we all have it. We all face it. We all have things that we're tempted by, and so this morning, we're going to look at temptation. In fact, let's look in our Bibles. Matthew 4, I'm just going to read through our passage, and then we're going to take it uh, verse by verse. And every time, and I would like some participation today. Okay? I feel like I need some help. So every time I say the word devil, tempter, or Satan, I want an audible boo! Y'all got me? Are, are we in? Are we on the same page right now? Are we tracking? Alright, let's find out. The devil. <laughs> yeah! Okay, how about Satan? How about Jesus? <laughs> yeah! Alright, okay, we're, we're on the same. Tempter. All right, okay, Matthew 4, verse 1. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry, and the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves, loaves of bread. But he, being Jesus, answered, It is written, Y'all are, I hear it starting to go down a little bit. <laughs> We're kind of losing momentum. That's all right. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. Yeah! Okay, then the devil took him to the holy city and sent him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, yeah! Throw yourself down, for it is written. This is awesome. He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against the stone. Jesus said to him, Again, it is written, you shall not put the Lord, yeah. your God, yeah. to the test. Again, the devil yeah. took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these I will give to you if you fall down and worship me. Then Jesus yeah. said to him, be gone, Satan. Yeah. For it is written, you shall worship the Lord, your God, yeah. and on him you shall serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, the angels came and were ministering to him. Lord, we approach you today. We're going to study your word. Show us the things we need for our spiritual life. Lord, whatever is of me, let it burn away, winnow away, but whatever is of you, let it stay and produce abundant fruit. And we pray against the work of the devil that seeks to steal the seed from our heart as it's cast out. Uh, pray that it finds a fertile soil and produces abundant fruit. So this morning we are talking about temptation, and I feel like it'd be helpful for us to kind of come down, uh, have a list of things uh, that describe for us where temptation comes from, because I'm not sure if we all know. But biblically, there's three sources of temptation in our life, and the, the very first temptation is self, ourselves. Like, we don't need anybody else's help. We don't need the world's help. We don't need the devil's help. We don't need the devil's help uh, for temptation. We have enough junk within us to cause all kinds of crazy chaos in our life. And in fact, we read this in James uh, chapter 1, verses 13 through 15, just in case we get it twisted a little bit. If we're being tempted, the temptation is not from God. Uh, let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. So if you're being tempted to do something that is wrong, you have a desire within you, that is not coming from the Lord, okay? He is not the one who is tempting you. 
okay? But what's actually happening is something internal. But each person is tempted when he or she is lured and enticed by his own desire. So where is the source of temptation coming from? From within ourselves. That's right. The Word of God just telling us that we have these internal desires for things that are wrong. It is called sin. And it's from the very earliest moments of our life. We see it in our little children, like especially as they go into Dad's cookies, right? So then desire, when it has conceived and gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's fully grown, brings forth what? Okay, so this is relational death, okay? This is talking about death uh, of relationship with God, self, and others. Okay, it's terrible stuff. So we have enough stuff in us to create an incredible amount of chaos in our lives. We don't have to, we can't blame the world for this, and we don't blame the devil for this. This is stuff that is within us. So source number one is ourselves, okay? Temptation within. The second source, we are told in the scriptures, and I'm hoping that we're getting our truth from scripture, is that the second source of temptation in our life is the world. Okay, so when I say the world, I'm talking about the fallen world and its systems and its ethics and its philosophy, everything that is anti-God, contrary to God's word that permeates this world and motivates this world, these are, uh, this is a source of temptation. That's why um, we read in 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 through 16, do not love the world or the things in the world, if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. That's a really strong statement. That we're, we're made to love, and we're going to love. And we're either going to love the things of this world, or we're going to love the Lord. Right? Like, the divided heart, which is kind of like the average Christian life, is really inconsistent with our Christian confession. That we are to love God with all of our what? Our heart and our minds and our soul, like everything that we are and flowing from that is love of others. But what happens is we get this divided heart where we start to love the world and the things of the world and we have to be reminded. We have to orient our minds to truth because for all that is in the world, and here we get the, the uh, trifecta, the desires of the flesh, the lust of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life. It's not from the Father, but from what? From the world. That's exactly right. And so I love how the message uh, writes, uh, records these particular verses. Listen to this. Practically everything that goes on in the world, wanting your own way, wanting everything for yourself, wanting to appear important. <laughs> you guys ever feel any temptation toward these things? Like I read that and I'm like, that sounds a lot like, I don't know, I was going to say my wife, but that I didn't want to say that. Because I have to go home afterwards, and I can't make jokes. Not like that. It sounds a lot like Kelly McCarthy. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Love you, Kelly. Uh, no, it sounds like me. It has nothing to do with the Father. No, it isolates you from Him. Oh. So if we're starting to feel isolated from the Father, what's happening? Wow. We might just be being lured and loving the world. And we start to feel isolated from God. The world and all it's wanting, wanting, wanting is on the way out. Boy, isn't that what we're being trained to do is want, want, want. Isn't that true, students? That every day you're being bombarded with these messages of want, 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 want. If you have this, you'll be satisfied. If you have this, you'll be happy. And it's a lie. 
it's the world, and, and we're being led astray by it, and that's a source of temptation. And something we have to remember, whoever does what God wants is set for eternity. Isn't that dope? I love that. Well, that's the second source of temptation in our life. The third is the devil himself. There you go. Uh, he goes by many names and titles in the scriptures, and we're told much of his active ministry and strategy. I'm going to kind of just run down a list pretty quick here of who is the devil, okay? Biblically, who is the devil? Uh, number one, we're told that he is the evil one, that he snatches seed of, the God, of God's word from the hearts and minds of unbelievers. So that's, that's one of his titles. That's one of his activities. Uh, secondly, he is the ruler of this world. We think we're battling nations and we think we're battling world systems, but it's actually the ruler over them, okay? He is also called the God of this age. Wow, blinding the minds of unbelievers. So when you're talking to somebody and you're like sharing the gospel, but they don't seem to be getting it and there's like this blinder up, you gotta know that that blinder is actually coming from the God of this age, blinding the minds of unbelievers. He's called the thief who seeks to steal, kill, and destroy the Lord's sheep. He's called the father of lies. He's a source of it. He's the first liar. The distorting of God's word and truth. And he's also called the tempter, which is exactly what we're going to be looking at in Matthew chapter 4. It's a strange read. Jesus is baptized, and then he's immediately sent out to the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And, and we are going to ask some questions along the way as to, like, why? Why is he sent out? Like, he wasn't sent to get his disciples or sent to the cities and the synagogues. He wasn't sent to the crowds or to heal. He's, in fact, sent out alone for 40 days in the wilderness. That's a strange read. And we're familiar with it because we've read Matthew chapter 4, uh, but at the same time, it, it does seem odd that that's the first ministry that Jesus undertook was facing off with the tempter. Matthew 4, 1. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit. Who led the Lord into the wilderness? The Spirit, right? And that word wilderness, it means isolation, desolation, and desert. Uh, it was not Jesus who led Jesus into the wilderness. It was not Satan who led Jesus into the wilderness. Jesus is being led by the Holy Spirit. So this tells us this is the will of God. And he's being led out there for a specific purpose to be tempted by the devil. So question, why was Jesus sent into the wilderness? What was the answer? There you go. To be tempted, and that word tempted actually is better translated as tested by the devil. Uh, something, <laughs> there you go. Boo! Um, again, it was not Satan who, who enticed Jesus out to the wilderness. It was not Jesus who made this decision. This was the Lord. He's being led specifically out there to be tempted. And I just feel like I need to say, do not, don't go waltzing out into the wilderness of temptation unless you have a really good reason for being there. Okay? Don't go waltzing out into the wilderness of temptation unless you have a really solid reason for being there. So if you struggle with drinking, don't hang out in bars. Okay? Uh, if you struggle uh, with, with gambling, don't go hang out in casinos. Uh, if, if you uh, struggle with eating, don't hang out in all-you-can-eat restaurants. Like, with for, like portion control. Like, don't put yourself intentionally in a place of testing unless you have a really solid, God-inspired reason for being there. Because what we're doing is we're setting ourselves up for failure. But the Lord has a reason for being out in the wilderness. He's being led by the Lord. 
And, and we can walk confidently when the Lord is leading us. When we're full of the Holy Spirit, we can walk into all kinds of tempting situations and navigate it successfully because we're full with the Holy Spirit. Um, Jesus, for 40 days and 40 nights, verse 2, fasted. And we're not provided a whole lot of reason. I, I mean, obviously the Lord led him to fast for 40 days and 40 nights. But what are the last three words of that verse? He was what? Hungry. I love that statement. I underline statements like that as I go through the scripture. And the reason why? Because it reminds me of Jesus' humanity. That throughout the scriptures we get these notes like he hungered, he thirsted, he was tired, he felt fear, he felt anxiety. And so one of the, one of the questions, you're, you know, you have to ask is like, one, why was Jesus fasting? And, and why was he sent out into the wilderness? And, and one, he was sent out to the wilderness to be tempted, and I believe he was fasting for a couple of reasons. One, uh, to seek a greater spiritual filling. You know, there's something significant that happens when we set aside something as important as food to really find our soul satisfaction in the Lord. And so I believe he's out there for a spiritual feeling, but he also to experience our weakness. You know, what's, what's fascinating to me as we look at the life of Christ is he didn't just take on our flesh, he took on our weaknesses. For, for Jesus uh, to truly say, I have walked in your shoes, he had to walk in our shoes. He felt hunger. And, and he goes out as a son of God. If he is a son of God, if we truly believe him to be the son of God, then he should be able to face the temptations of the evil one. Do you all agree with that? Yeah, if he is a son of God, he should be able to navigate successfully the temptations of the devil. I mean, if he didn't, can you imagine if he gave in to the temptation? What kind of savior would he be? And if he wasn't tempted, how could he relate to us? Which reminds me of a verse found in the book of Hebrews. It's one of those really beautiful verses. Uh, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. Listen to this. We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. No, one who in every respect, if, you, if you're in Hebrews and you get to this verse, I want you to double underline every respect. There is nothing that you were going through that the Lord Jesus can't relate to. And by the way, we often think that because we're struggling or because we're falling into temptation, the Lord is repulsed by us. He's actually drawn to us. He has compassion and empathy for where we're at. It says he, in every respect, has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. He, he faced it all, and that is exactly what we're going to see in the three temptations as they unfold in Matthew chapter 4. Now, before uh, we, we read the temptations, I want to give you an overview of the temptations very, very briefly. This may not be helpful to you, but this helped me think through this very familiar passage. Each temptation is structured in the exact same way. We're going to get a location. There's three. The wilderness, the temple at Jerusalem, and a mountaintop. Okay? Each temptation has an emphasis. So there's going to be food, that is our needs, a, a esteem and significance, and our worship. Okay? Each temptation has its emphasis. Each temptation has an action. Satan is always trying to get us to do something. And you can guarantee... That whatever it is that Satan tempts us to do is 100% against the will of God 100% of the time. 100%. Even if it sounds sort of like the will of God. So command the stones, throw yourself down, fall down and worship. And then each temptation is faced the same way with Scripture. 
So on, in verse 4, 7, and 10, you're going to see three words. It is written. Underline that in your Bible. It is written. That is how Jesus addresses each temptation. So the very first temptation deals with our needs, and we all have them. The question is, how do we go about meeting them? Matthew chapter 4, verse 3, and the tempter, that's, uh, yeah, and the tempter, this tells us this is his occupation. This is one of his preoccupations and occupations. He's about tempting. So he, the tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. And so when I envision the devil coming to Jesus, I do not imagine a being with a red suit and a pitchfork all snarled like this gnarly dragon looking kind of dude. What I envision is something actually very beautiful and beguiling. Uh, and, and in fact, uh, someone who is, who is very smooth and convincing. In fact, in 2 Corinthians 11, 14, we're told that Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So I imagine when he shows up, he's very, very beautiful and, and beguiling and, and winsome. And by the way, when the devil shows up in your life, it's not going to be pitchfork and all that. He, he's not going to show up like that, but he's going to show up in, in flesh and people. You see, the devil, he doesn't have to show up. He sends people our way with temptation. And he puts us in circumstances or we experience circumstances and things that happen that are coming directly from him. And you have to always remember what Galatians chapter 6 tells us in verse 12, that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. You think you have a people problem, you have a devil problem. Okay? You think you have a circumstance problem, you have a devil problem. Okay? We're always told to not wrongly uh, uh, evaluate our circumstances. You don't f battle against flesh and blood, but you battle against powers and authorities and, and, and uh, cosmic powers over this present darkness against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Stop blaming the wrong person. And so the tempter comes to Jesus. The first statement is based upon identity. If you are the son of God, and let's assume you are, You've been out in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights. You're hungry. I know you're hungry. You know you're hungry. Every reader of the scripture knows Jesus is hungry. How do we know that? Because the Bible tells us he was hungry. And I imagine this temptation was kind of wrapped around this. Why hasn't the Father provided for you? You have a need. You need this. You need food. And I don't see any grocery store. I don't see any way that you're being provided for. If you are the son of God, why has the father not met your need? And that is exactly how the temptation works in our life. We see this in Genesis chapter 3. The serpent slithers into Eve and it convinces her that God has withheld something good from her. Did God really say? No. God knows when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God. He's keeping something from you. And what was something that was once off limits all of a sudden becomes a need. All the tempter has to do is get us to question God's goodness, his faithfulness, and his provision. And then provides an opportunity. Take and eat. And in this situation, the tempter says, make bread out of stones. And we're told that in this particular area where Jesus is, is dwelling is full of stones that are shaped like bread. And so Satan's like, hey, you got the power. 
Take matters into your own hands, convert the stones at the molecular level, turn them into bread and meet that need. And that is exactly how the temptation works in our life. Satan will come to us, not pitchfork and all that, but with the temptation of there's something you need, God's not providing it, you need to take matters into your own hands. Something that, that really sticks out to me is just because you can doesn't mean you should. Jesus could change stones to bread, but just because he could does not mean he should. And so we see these same kind of tactics in our own life, and something you got to remember, the, uh, the devil is only going to present to you things that you really struggle with, that you're really tempted by. So that means if you, uh, you struggle with cake, he's not going to put before you kale. Right? He's going to put before you cake on a plate, like moist cake. You know what I mean? Chocolate, double chocolate, triple chocolate, quadruple chocolate. So you're going to spray a little gold leaf on there. Oh, it's going to look good. Come on, take and eat. You know you want this. I don't know why God's keeping it from you. You need this cake. And you got your fork out, and you're like, you know, it's right. God hasn't provided what I need. But here it is. And we take, and we eat, and we die. It's a lie. I don't know what your cake is right now. Whatever your cake is, the tempter is going to put it in front of you. Time after time after time. And you're going to want to take and eat. But just as Jesus used Scripture, we need to go back to Scripture. Specific to the temptation. Jesus quoting Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3. Listen to this. But he answered. This is Jesus' answer. It is written. Three times Jesus makes this statement. Man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of of God. This passage is specific to the temptation. The tempter tempts Jesus with bread. Jesus reminds the devil that he's been feasting on the word of God and promises of God for 40 days and 40 nights. He may be physically hungry, but he's spiritually satisfied. I want you to hold on to this. The God who provides us his word is the God who will provide us our bread. The God who provides us his word is the God who will provide us our bread. He has promised to meet our needs. Okay? Often we start converting our wants into our needs. And then mandating that God provide them. And we get frustrated because all of a sudden our wants become a need. Those needs aren't being met. We question the goodness of God. And then we set out to meet them ourselves. When the scriptures orient our minds to what we really need, we need the word of God so that we can successfully navigate these temptations. The temptations within, the temptations of this fallen world, and the temptations that the devil brings. Next, Satan takes Jesus on a field trip. Matthew chapter 3, verses 5 through 6. All right, y'all get ready. Then the devil took him to the holy city 
like center of Judaism, like the city. And not just in the city, but set him at the pinnacle of the temple. So he's at the very, very top. He's at the center of the Jewish world. And he says, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he here quotes scripture. I love that. We're like, something to keep in mind, the devil knows scripture. Uh, he will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. And so what is this temptation? Well, it is a temptation about significance and esteem. I mean, think about this opportunity. Throw yourself off the temple. You're the king, and come floating down in front of the people, and they'll be in awe of you. And in fact, it's biblical. There are temptations that are going to be wrapped in Scripture. There are going to be times where we're going to be convinced that there's something we want and it's biblical for us. But something we always have to keep in mind is we've got to put it in context. You've got to put every scripture in context. Psalm 91 is what the devil quotes. And in the context of what the devil quotes, it is all about depending on the Lord. It's all about obedience and faithfulness. It is not a psalm about doing a swan dive off of a temple. Forcing God to do something that's contrary to his will. That is not how the Son of God was going to be revealed to the people of Israel. He had not come to jump off the temple and exalt himself. He had come to exalt the Father. He had come to humble himself. He came to suffer and die on a cross, not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. He had not come to exalt himself. And Christian, we as believers are not called to exalt ourselves. We are called to exalt the Lord Jesus Christ in our life, to take the posture of a servant, but we are constantly being tempted to elevate and exalt ourselves. And I love how Jesus responds again with what? Scripture. In fact, in verse 7, Jesus again quoting the book of Deuteronomy. You know what, you know what I thought about this week? If my ability to successfully navigate temptation is based upon my working knowledge of the book of Deuteronomy, I better get to studying, right? Jesus said to him, again it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Family, anytime we try to force God to give us what our selfish hearts want, we're putting God to the test. Just like the children of Israel, God provided manna, but they wanted meat. They wanted meat to eat. Oh, in Egypt we had leeks and, and, and melons and fish and meat to the full. But you've led us out into this wilderness and all you've given us is this worthless manna. We want meat. Give us meat. Moses, if you don't give us meat, we're going to stone you. So God says, okay, you want meat? I'll give you meat. And he made it rain meat. And they had so much meat, they had meat, it was rising up. There was meat everywhere. And before they even digested it, while it was in their teeth, a plague came. There are times where we demand things of God. We demand that he give us what we want. I want this. And we give in to that temptation, and what we're really doing is testing the Lord. We need to trust and not test. Amen? Be a people who trust and not test. And then third and finally, our worship. 
we have been made to worship. Matthew chapter 4, verse 8, again, the devil took him to a very high mountain, so they leave the temple, they go to a mountain, and he presents before Jesus the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And I, I just want you to think about this for, for a second. From this vantage point, I believe was displayed every kingdom of every age, all of the power, prestige, and wealth that has ever existed. I want you to think for a moment of nations and kingdoms throughout history and their wealth and their power. Okay, you all got some images in the mind? Think about all of the gold and all of the resources. I mean, think about it all being presented before you on a platter. The offer is staggering, really, if we think about it. And he said to Jesus, all these I will give you if. I would underline that. There's always a cost. There is always a cost. If you will fall down and worship me. Something that I, I think is, is interesting, I believe the devil could have delivered this. Because you never see Jesus say, you don't have the authority, you don't have the power, whatever. That's not even, you can't offer me the kingdom. No, I believe that the devil could. But look at the cost. We are saturated with this belief that to have wealth, and I'm not just talking wealth. Man, I'm talking staggering wealth. We don't, we don't think in millions anymore. We think in billions and trillions. Oh, if I could just have all the gold, I will be satisfied. It's the same offer. But it comes at a price, and it's called worship. The devil dangles before us the world promising everything our hearts could ever want, knowing that it will kill us. Check this out, Matthew 16, verse 26. You've got, we have to tune our mind to Scripture. What will it profit a man or a woman if he or she gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? It comes at a cost. Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? We get sold a lie. The world in which we live is destined for the fire of hell. Check this out. The world in which we live is destined for the fire of hell. That's why everything's for sale. You know what it's called? A fire sale. The world in which we live right now, it's just a fire sale. Sell everything. Buy everything. Anything. Everything is being presented before you. If just one more person could go to hell with the devil, then he thinks at victory. He wants as many people to fall into the pit as possible, and he will dangle before us anything that will lure us away from the Lord. And here's the, here's the problem with short-sighted vis vision. So many Christians are giving up the eternal kingdom for the fallen kingdom, not realizing it's really devil worship. To love the things of this world is devil worship. That is why in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, we are told that no one can serve two masters, for either will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and what? Tell me that isn't the American verse. Tell me honestly right now that that isn't our worship. Do we worship money? 
What's the answer? In God we trust, but in money we worship. Jesus responds, Be gone, Satan, to hell with you. For it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. My heart is made to worship, and I will. But it is the scriptures that time and again remind me that I should worship the Lord, and him only I shall serve. And I love verse 11. The devil left him, and behold, the angels came and were ministering. The devil had to obey. Jesus said, enough, be gone. The devil had to obey. He is under authority. A few observations as we bring it in for a landing. Hey, he's doing just fine. Yeah, he's doing just fine. Yeah, you are loved, buddy, and you're doing a great job. Uh, a few closing applications. The sources of temptation are what? Self, the world, and the devil. Thank you. Second uh, application, don't go tromping out into the wilderness of temptation unless you've got a really good reason for being there. Okay? Don't go like skipping on in. Oh, I don't know how I got here. Oh, that's weird. I feel tempted. Sure. Um, <laughs> that thing you need, see I put it in quotes, that thing you need may be the exact thing the devil will tempt you with. Yeah, that's right. Whatever you think you need. Oh, do you need this? I'll hook you up. It just comes at a cost. If Jesus used Scripture to overcome temptation, so should we. The Christian who does not know Scripture doesn't stand a chance. You're not going to battle Satan with an Oprah quote. You're not going to be able to conquer Satan with some TED Talk guru. You're not going to be able to, to battle Satan with some spiritual meme that sounds spiritual but just repackaged paganism. If we do not know Scripture, we don't stand a chance against the temptation. We're just going to keep falling back into it time and time again. Uh, we see that Jesus used Scripture as a precision tool specific to the temptation. If we don't know Scripture, we don't stand a chance. And then finally, the, the devil will eventually leave. He will eventually leave. If we stand in the Lord and we stand on the Scriptures, the devil will flee. We're promised that in Scripture. Lord, we thank you for this morning. Yeah. We thank you for this morning, and we thank you for your word that we've been able to study, we've been able to grow and to, to learn. Um, Lord, challenging to my spiritual life, uh, because I want, I want my cookies, I want my cake, and uh, my wayward heart, I worship this world. I love it. I love the money and the things it's going to give me. I love the thought of it. Um, there's times where I spend uh, hours just consumed with what I would, what it would be like to be rich. And I already am. Uh, that in you, Jesus, we are royalty. And that we have literally every eternal blessing awaiting us. And we have every blessing right now in you, Jesus. That we have your promises and we have your word and we have each other. And we have your church and we have real life. Oh, Lord, please draw our hearts away from devil worship to true worship of you that we would bend our knee before you and serve you only. So Lord, we seek you today for your strength. We seek you today 
and we ask that. Please lead us out into this world in peace. Show us the things that we're to be and the things that we're supposed to do and how we can serve you and love you. Jesus, we love you. And we pray this all in your name. Amen. So uh, today I just want to give you an opportunity. If you want to be baptized um, or you want to know Jesus and you're like sitting here and you're like, I don't really know what that means, or you have prayer requests, there are going to be a, a couple of prayer partners who are going to meet you up here. Um, a couple of our elders are going to come down. My lovely bride is going to be available. And uh, I'll be happy to meet with you down here. 